Welcome to the Behind the Region podcast, powered by Tech Tyler PC, providing cost-effective IT solutions to fit any budget. On this episode, we chat with Drew Dudley. Drew is a dynamic leadership speaker and author who is billed as one of the most inspirational TED Talk speakers of all time. Drew will talk about leadership and leadership potential, but probably not like you've ever heard before. His goal is to redefine leadership for as many people as possible. Now here are your hosts, Chamber President and CEO Jeff Frey, and Director of Member Relations, Mark McGill. And welcome to the Behind the Region podcast, being powered by Tech Tyler PC. Very special guest today with us, Jeff Ray. Yeah, we're pretty excited. We, you know, have tried to find the best and brightest to uh, join us on this uh, podcast. We think we found one of those today, a gentleman named Drew Dudley. Drew, welcome. Uh, thank you so much for having me here, and I will do my absolute best to live up to the idea of being quasi-intelligent. I was going to say, you ever been, uh, you know, introduced as bright and best? Uh, no, Because <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> Not with anyone who knows me, uh, but the goal is to, the goal is to act it up until people figure it out. I, well, I was trying to hook some listeners here, you know? <laughs> Maybe if we could get some listeners uh, in, so I, th- I think we'll be good. So, so Drew is in town. Drew is a he's an author. He's a speaker. He does a lot of things. So Drew's in town to speak uh, and spoke to our YPN group. And so YPN South Bend is a, a terrific collection of uh, 21 to 39 year old professionals in the community. Do a lot of professional development stuff. But Drew was our keynote this year at our annual event, and we liked him so much from the keynote we coerced him into coming back and joining us on the Behind the Region podcast. So, so Drew, just j- j- for folks who, who don't know about you, I, d- I gave you just a very brief introduction. Tell us a little bit about Drew Dudley and who he is. Sure. Well, Drew Dudley right now is a guy who uh, spends most of his time touring around the world talking about a type of leadership and a leadership process that we developed at the University of Toronto, where for about 10 years I ran the leadership development program there. And prior to that, I ran uh, Canada's biggest youth charity, which was in support of the Canadian Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. And over the course of doing that, and course of, of educating some of the, honestly, if you want to talk about people who are bright, you could meet some of my students and former students. Uh, the thing about working at a university is you're constantly surrounded by people half your age and twice as smart as you are. <laughs> like our job is to graduate them before they figure out that you know they're twice as smart as we are. The whole system collapses on itself. But uh, w- what happened was uh, we had a, a bit of a social experiment back at U of T, and I'll, I'll be happy to tell you more about that, that was supposed to be focused on it came from a student who told me that it's a lot easier to stand up for something than it is to live up to one, which I thought was pretty brilliant for a 20-year-old. Pretty good line. Yeah, yeah he stole it. Uh, <laughs> That's but still a pretty good line. Here's the thing. In leadership, you never steal an idea. You benchmark a best practice. Uh-huh. And so what happened was we decided to do an experiment to see if we could actually live up to the stuff that we claimed to stand for. And from that developed a, a process Uh, that I call operationalizing values. We could get into all of that technical if you want. But what basically happened is this process that my students helped develop was so successful in changing our behavior to align more with who we wanted to be that I've started traveling around the world and, and talking about what the process is, what the philosophies behind it are, and have had about a decade of, of being able to work with amazing organizations like yours, some of the big Fortune 500 companies, and a lot of really great not-for-profits and colleges and universities. So I'm a guy who believes that leadership is, it can be much broader than the way most of us have been taught about it. And I've had the the utter pleasure to, you know, like I get, I did while I was here, the opportunity to talk and, and share those ideas and the stories that developed it. 
Yeah. So, so let's, let's ask you about your experience here. So, um, uh, South Bend, Notre Dame, iconic stadium, our setting for this, uh, just share with us a little about your experience in South Bend. Well, the thing about what I've discovered in South Bend and, and Notre Dame as well, is that when you turn onto that campus, there is a different feeling because it's, it's legendary and you've seen everything on TV. And, and for me, when it comes to Notre Dame, the university, my father had one college football team that he watched, and it was it was the Fighting Irish. And so you are obviously connected to whatever your dad loves. And to have been invited here, now my dad is gone. My, my dad passed away during the pandemic. And so this whole experience for me, I've been trying to live vicariously for him. And, you know, when you drive down that, at least the entrance I came in, mm-hmm. and it's just the Golden Dome yeah. at the end. And you you think you know what it's going to be like when you see it and it's different and so the opportunity to to see the stadium to i think what's been wild my friends is that i felt my dad the whole time yeah and and that to me makes it a, a special experience that really you really can't describe as a result yeah so, so Drew, as, as we were, you know, thinking about having you come here, like Mark and I obviously have a really big following around the world. Big who, stars. Who love to big stars. listen to, you know, what we, what we do here. But, but we're watching um, TED Talks and stuff, you know, and so it's like, man, we've got this guy that like 5 million people are watching. <laughs> six on, now, by uh, the way, but who's counting? <laughs> TED Talks, which is just uh, by rounding, just a little higher than the the listeners that we get, you know, sometimes. So, uh, but you're also writing a book and do So just speak a little bit about just the, maybe some, and before we get into maybe some of the leadership lessons, just some of the, those kind of opportunities that you've had to sort of share some of your stories. Well, one of the things I just want to pass on to anybody listening, that if you've got a friend, if you've got a colleague who is hiding something amazing about themselves, uh, some sort of art, some sort of music or ideas, push them really hard when they push back to share it with the world. Because I had a student years ago send me a TED Talk. I'd never seen one before. This would have been 2009 or 10. And it was a talk called Do Schools Kill Creativity by Sir Ken Robinson. And he absolutely blew me away this this video. So I started using TED Talks all the time in my classes. And what happened was that same student came in I don't know, a year later, and said, you know, that Toronto, where I'm from, uh, has its own TED event, and they've got two open slots, and you should do it, because we know how much you love TED Talks. And I said, I'm just a part-time speaker. And I'd always told my students that you're not allowed to say you're just anything, because it, it gives people permission to expect less from you. And I don't know if you've ever told young people something again and again, and then you violate it in front of them. It didn't go well. <laughs> Does it go well? Yeah. And so what they did is they took this new tool called Facebook at the time and uh, created a, a mission, a, a campaign to get me nominated for this event, TEDx Toronto. And I had no idea what was going on. And eventually I get a call one day from the organizers and they said, look, we don't know who you are, but you got 43 nominations to do this. And so we're going to put you on the stage. You got six minutes. And I can't introduce myself in six minutes. I mean, you guys have seen that. And so I called a buddy of mine and I said, what should I do, man? And he said, you got this one story about lollipops called the lollipop moment. And you should tell that story. And I said, come on, man. It's Ted. Like, I can't tell a story about lollipops because it doesn't have enough gravitas. And this is the type of friend you need because he, he just... There's this long silence, and then he said, "Dude, you got to get over yourself." <laughs> he said, "Your whole mission, your whole 
shtick, and I don't like it being called a shtick, but right. you said your whole message is that leadership has been turned into something too big for most people. And here's your biggest opportunity to have, an, have a stage. This might be the most people you ever speak to, and you're not going to tell the story because it doesn't make you sound smart enough. Get over yourself. And then he said, if you ever use the word gravitas around me again, I will smack you. <laughs> We're no longer friends. Yeah, and, and I, I did this little six-minute talk, this little six-minute talk, and uh, it, it was well-received, and, and it sat around the internet for about a year and a half, and then somehow TED.com, that main site, picked it up, put it on the site, and six, seven, however many million people have yeah. watched it. I've only watched it a half a dozen times because... <laughs> Honestly, I don't like it very much. Like, it's a great story, right. but as a professional speaker now, right. I was so scared, guys, yeah. that I yeah. did about an eight-minute talk in six minutes and 20 seconds. <laughs> and that, But that launched everything, yeah. to be honest. And you know, I walked off the stage, and there was an agent there, and he said, do you want to do this for a living full-time? And I said, sure, yeah, I'd love to do that. And there's several people I'd like to marry, too, if you can set that up. <laughs> I'm, I bet we can do this. Yeah. I, just, I just didn't think there was a possibility that it basically said, take everything about your job that you don't like, remove it, and then pay you a lot more for the stuff that you do like. And I thought, there's no way that the world will give me that break, and it did. And so the opportunity really started from that, that TED event. And you go out there and over the course of speaking for years, you always have 45 or 60 minutes. But as you grow up, as you learn more, you constantly have more content you want to share. So ultimately what happened was the book emerged from that. And again, as a message to all of you listening about how much we will hesitate to put our art out into the world, whatever our art is, is that I wrote the book and then I put it in a drawer, and it wasn't until my, my late girlfriend found it in a drawer a year and a half later, read it when I was out, came, and I came home, and she's sitting there on the couch holding the book and just said, what is this, and why is it in a drawer? And she made me promise that I would try to get it published. And then, unfortunately, she passed away only about two weeks after she, she got that promise from me. So now I'm stuck. Right. I have absolutely no right. choice. In no the choice. I can't buy her off with a trip to Jamaica to me. Like, how about I switch promises? <laughs> yeah. uh, sorry, I have a very dark sense of humor. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and ultimately, that's kind of how those two yeah. big things happen. The TED Talk, which led to all of these opportunities, and the book. And uh, my, uh, my publisher would like to me to mention that it's called This is Day One, Practical Guide <laughs> to Leadership That Matters, available at fine and not-so-fine bookstores everywhere. <laughs> Uh, I'm legally, I'm legally, I'm not, I'm not, I know that makes me sound like uh, I'm shilling the book, but yeah. I'm contractually obligated to do that every yeah, time yeah. I say the title. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's really what came from those is, sure. and, and it, and you have opportunities like the one I had here, yeah. which is, and when you get to talk to young professionals, you get the chance to take all of these lessons that you learned from all of these incredible leaders and my work to be completely honest with you is taking brilliant insights from other people who might not have the opportunity to get the audiences I have and share their insights. So, you know, I might learn something amazing from, from you folks today, but you don't necessarily get the chance to go and, and speak for thousands yeah. of people. And I do. And to me, that's such a privilege to get to listen to, to get to listen to someone say, this is brilliant. Have that moment where you're like, wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And then get to say to myself, I get to R&D that, which means rip off and duplicate, <laughs> and, and share with, with all of these people. That, to me, is, is a privilege. It's a rush. It's a stress, because yeah. you want to do honor to these ideas. But to get to do things like I did here, 
where I did it, how I did it, to connect to my dad and the way that it, yeah, it's been. Yeah. It's been really special. I wouldn't count on the learning something new <laughs> bit today, just for the record. If you, if you, you came never here, know. If you, you came never here know. hoping for that, I, I would lower your expectations a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to try to force it out of you. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to ask the questions later you and, see, and see what I pull from you. You get a better shot with Jeff uh, than with me, so just I don't know. target him. <laughs> Drew, let's talk a, a, a little bit about just this, um, th- this leadership training development. I, my guess is there are some folks who think, that's not me. I'm not a leader. I've got a role. But, and then there's others that, that like, I don't sort of need this because I've already got this all like, you know, figured out. So you're speaking to a broad audience. You're, you know, some of them who have had years of experience, some who don't even know yet that they have a key leadership position. Just talk about that balance a little bit. Sure. I think one of the things that really drives me is this belief that most of the leadership on this planet comes from people who don't think that they're leaders. And it's a result of some of the untaught lessons of the education system. There are things that are learned, even though they're never explicitly taught. And one of those is that leadership is an exclusive club that not everyone can or should get into. My argument is not that everyone can or should be a CEO, not everyone can or should or wants to be a president. Ultimately, though, what I'm really trying to get at with individuals is that there is a form of leadership to which we can all aspire. We all can and should aspire. And that is the leadership that is wrapped around the idea of powerful moments of interpersonal impact, moments of recognition, moments of empowerment, moments of compassion and forgiveness. These are the most powerful things that we do. And I think it's so important that we call them powerful because right now we call them the little things. See, the big things are your great, uh, your your SAT scores, followed by where you graduate, followed by where you work, followed by what your titles are and how much money you make. But I actually argue that leadership exists in these individual moments. And because everyone can create powerful moments of interpersonal impact, leadership is accessible to everyone. And I think what's important is that it's the only source of power, This these moments of impact, it's the only source of power on earth that's, acce- that's accessible to everyone on earth. Every other form of leadership has these systemic barriers between that leadership and, and between that power and most people. So my argument, and I think this is part of the reason that I hope I'm, I'm a little different, is that I try to talk about leadership with a group of people who don't ask about it. And when you've got people in positions, when you've got people who are have formal leadership roles, all of which is a form of leadership. I'm not saying that being CEO is not leadership. I'm saying that it's a subset of leadership. And what we don't talk about is the broader type. And so I've got all these people out there who would never seek out a leadership speaker because they don't see themselves as charismatic enough or they're not an extrovert or they don't want to be the center of attention or they don't feel people listen to them. All of those individuals don't seek out leadership development. They don't seek out new perspectives on leadership because a long time ago, the education system convinced them they're not leaders. My goal is to focus on those individuals. And when it comes to individuals who might say, I already have it all figured out, what I love to do is ask questions. And what I find is that even incredibly successful people, because if you are someone who gets stuff done when you're younger, people figure it out and they start to ask you to get stuff done. And when you do it, you get rewarded for it. And then you can go 30 years of delivering what other people want and doing it well, being rewarded for it. And at no point you stop and ask, who am I trying to be when I'm doing this? So you get a CEO, you really want to mess up a a successful CEO, ask them, why do you matter? 
And 95% of the people to whom I pose that question either cannot give me an answer or they make one up at the time. Mm-hmm. And that, and because no one asks. Right. Like, when was the last time someone asked you, why do you matter? And if everyone listening out there, how, many, like, how would you answer that question? If you got kids under five, they will melt you with their answers to that question. But what happens as we get older is we stop believing that why we matter is up to us to determine, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be determined by other people. Ask a CEO why they matter. Ask uh, presidents what their three core values are, and then ask them to prove by saying, when did you live those in the last week? So when I deal with folks who are like, oh, I'm, I'm really in a leadership role, I already have this figured out, cool, you might have management figured out. That doesn't mean that you have personal leadership figured out. And many days, look, we all have obligations to keep in this world, and you should make obligations and you should keep them. But if every obligation you have in a given day is an obligation to someone else, you're living a life of obligation. And that's disempowering and unsustainable. But if we can carve out some obligations to ourselves to identify our values, live them, give ourselves evidence every day that we're the people we want to be, if you if you can carve out 10% of your obligations to, to engage in in activities that do that, that leaves 90% of your time and obligations for the rest of the world. And that's a life of service. And a life of service is empowering, a life of service is sustainable. So when it comes to people who are like, I already got this down, cool, you get how to manage people and how to create visions, and that's amazing, and you're a successful leader as a result. Let me ask you the stuff that you haven't had time to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. And that is an incredibly rewarding thing to get to do. Yeah. Wait, I better come up with some more questions before he starts asking me uh, <laughs> to answer some of, of these, uh, which I, th- I think is some tremendous points. And, and I really appreciate you th- um, sharing that because, I, I, boy, I think you're right on. It's exactly why we wanted you here because of, of this message you share. Uh, talk to us a little bit about, you know, uh, as we talked about, you're with our young professional. We're with our young professionals group, 21 to 39. Many of those are brand new into their career, brand new into the community they're the bottom rung of the of the ladder um they're you know trying to decide what path uh to take um we're glad they've chosen our community to do it what you know talk to us a little bit about just the maybe some of the steps or advice or things uh that you would have for them as they're beginning their journey into impacting our community yeah i think the first thing is that you you are ceo of a company. If you think of your own life as a business, which is a weird thing to say, but like, let's imagine that your life is a business. You are the CEO of that business. So that's the first thing to realize is that you may not feel that in this world, you might, like, as you said, that you're the bottom rung, but not in terms of who you are. One of the unfortunate things, one of the first things I ever would say to somebody as they head out into the world is here's an unfortunate reality that I think we're all better off if we recognize you're not always in charge of what you get to do every day, but you're always in charge of who you are. And nobody gets to take that away. So what I try to teach people is a process that allows them every day to prove to themselves that one, they matter, and that two, they're the person that they wanna be. So one of the tips, I, or one of the whole thing, what I talk in the presentation was about how do we identify our core values? And then once you've identified what those values are, how do you actually live them every day? Because there's a gap in all of our lives between the people we want to be and how we're actually behaving. I argue that personal leadership is, is working to close that gap. It'll never be fully closed. So what we did is at the university, when we decided, okay, what we first went with was impact. We wanted to be people of impact. That was a core value of ours. And then we went out every day and got distracted. 
and we never thought about impact until the end of the day. And my students, my assignment to them was to come to my office every day, look me in the eye and tell me how they had made someone feel better off for having interacted with them. And because they were great young people, they always had one, but they were only looking back over their day and identifying a moment where they'd done it, which means they were looking, they were using a value that they said defined them as a person to evaluate behavior that had already happened. And what I love to tell people is that leaders use their values to drive their behavior, to impact decision-making in the moment, because a value is only a value if you use it as criteria for decision-making. Otherwise, it's just something that looks good on a, in, on a website or stuck on the wall of your office or God help us all on election signs, right? They're just nothing <laughs> words unless you use them to make decisions. And so what we discovered was if we're not thinking about impact till the end of the day, we're not using it to make decisions. And as a result, we needed a different approach. And so what I started to do is we went to the psych department at the university because these people, like I'll tell you, these guys know how to mess with people's minds. And what we did is they taught us a couple of behavioral psychology tricks that I won't dive too deep into it, but the basic gist is this. Questions drive human behavior. Like if I give you a question, your brain cannot stand the fact that it doesn't have an answer for it. Mm -hmm. And it will actually change your behavior to try to find an answer. So what we did is we decided let's create a question. And instead of going out in the world and trying to have impact or compassion or respect, what we did is we created a question that was tied to each one of those values. For instance, for impact, what we did is we said, instead of saying, how are we gonna have impact today? We created the question, what have I done today to recognize someone else's leadership? Because you can't answer that question without having impact. Because leadership's on a pedestal. So if I tell either one of you that the way you behave, the way you've treated me, the way I see you do your job is leadership, you will feel better off. So just by answering the question, I have now lived that value. And so we tried that, like go out and answer this question for a week. And it was amazing. That's why I quit my job at the university because my students leaned into this assignment so deeply and it was so effective that now I teach it all over the world. And eventually what happened was, I, what I'd start with is I'd say to people, pick a value, turn it into a question, and then make sure that question's on your phone and it pops up three times a day. Because psychologically speaking, scientifically, once a question is in your brain, your brain will actually change your behavior to find an answer. And so now when one of you does something that otherwise I probably would have been like, oh, that's cool. Now, because I have this question, how have I recognized someone's leadership? As soon as I see leadership from someone, my brain says to it myself, oh my God, here's your chance. Because look, no question once it's in your brain gets let go. We all think it does. We think you get a question right or wrong or you move on. But think about it this way. At some point, everybody listening has tried to remember the name of an actor or an actress, and they can't, and you forget about it, or you think you do, and then 24 or 48 hours later, the name of that actor or actress in the shower or at your desk or in the car pops into your head. Your brain never stopped working on the question. So once, what have I done to recognize someone's leadership's in your head? You're going to answer that question, and if it means adapting your behavior to do it, you'll do it. And what, what we do is start with one. And then you build and you build. And by the end of all of this, we created what we call the leadership test. Six values, six questions, and then you get three out of six every day. That's the goal. So on those days where everything outside of your control blows up in your face, at least you can go home and say, but you know what? Today, I was the man, the woman, the person I wanted to be in these 
two or three instances. And let's face it, there are days where that's the only gift we give ourselves is the knowledge that at least in this moment, I was everything I hoped to be. Because I think a lot of us go home every night and we can't pick one moment where we felt like that. That's a long answer to your question, that, but when you say, what would you tell someone? Yeah. I'm just like, allow me to condense an hour into what <laughs> no, I No, I, I think that's a, and exactly why we want this conversation. We're learning a lot here. This is terrific. So this leadership is a, it's a lifelong journey. It sounds like you're, a, you're, you're learning every day, as, you're, as you mentioned earlier, through the different interactions and the people that you meet along the way. Uh, advice to people listening about, you know, uh, best ways to uh, keep their saw sharp, right? To, to, you know, know, some of the things you do each day, you know, whether it's reading, listening, whatever, give us some advice uh, to folks about about, um, how to stay best on this journey. You know what? I think uh, one of the best things to do is to take a step back and look at the people in your life who are the just people. And what I mean by that are people who say, I'm just a receptionist, or I'm just starting out, I'm just a student, I'm just middle management. There are so many people who say they're just something. Like like I said, I'm just a part-time yeah. speaker. Every time you use the word just, you give people permission to expect less from you. So one of the first things I say is constantly in your life, be looking out for the just people who make your life better and 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 call themselves a just. Like they, they use the word. And I think that it's almost always used as a diminisher. And if you can get up every day and find a way to make one person who thinks they're just something realize they're more than that, that is a powerful thing. A couple of other tips that I do is I try to get out walking every day. And you'd give 15 minutes to your boss if they ask for it. You'd give 15 minutes to your partner if they ask for it. You'd give 15 minutes to your kids if they ask for it. Why won't you take 15 minutes? Like you have every right to 15 minutes of your time as well. So I would suggest that get out there and walk and don't listen to anything. Don't put headphones in your ears and don't listen to a podcast or a book. If you want to do an hour walking, do half an hour in silence with your thoughts because we live in the most distracting world in the history of man right now. I shouldn't even say man, a history of humankind right now. And as a result, we have simply no longer know how to talk to ourselves. And I think that would be a really important thing to do every day as well. And I think that if you take the time to talk to yourself, you start coming up with some realizations about what it is that you want out of your life. And I think right now is that we just fill all of our time up. And I think that's a real problem. I had a third thing I really wanted to share, and I'm not going to lie to you. I have absolutely no idea what it is anymore. But I remember as I was giving the second answer thinking, oh, don't forget yeah. this. Oh, yeah. this, is, this is cake. Maybe oh. go for a walk. Here's, here's something else. Here's what it yeah. is. Your edge of the bed advice. Yeah. So I don't, I'm not good at small talk. And as you can imagine, in a job like mine, you have to do it a lot. And so I developed this question called the edge of the bed advice, which is if your oldest child was leaving tomorrow and they called you in and and you sat on the edge of their bed and they asked, what do I need to know? Give me all the best piece of advice you can. Not one grand truth about the universe, because that's just too much pressure. But give me as many pieces of life advice as you can. Quotes, things that you learn from success, things that you learn from failure. And I honestly, every day come up with a new piece of advice because we go through our lives without ever acknowledging our own wisdom. So for instance, my, my friend, what is a piece of edge of the bed advice that you would give to someone that you love so much you want them to have a better life than you? What is some insight that this world has taught you that's worth knowing in your mind? Because this is the part where I said I was going to yeah, learn something right. from, yes. from, from you folks. To me, eat a cupcake every day. Eat a cupcake every day. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, that will make your life better than mine. <laughs> I, I think, so. and you know what? A cupcake doesn't have to be a physical cupcake. Correct. Although I yeah. love that. Yeah. Like yeah. a cupcake. What I just asked you is me trying to get a cupcake. Yeah. And something that a morsel that is worth tasting, a morsel that is worth savoring. So I yeah. appreciate that. And I'm going to turn to the other side. Uh, over here, we're, I think we're out of time. No, I'm just kidding. No. You, you know, it's, it's interesting because what what, what really resonated for, um, in, in, because mine is is that time for myself, right? So, like, I went I went through a period as a leader where I'm busy and and now I'm unhealthy, but I didn't take five minutes to walk, to run, to eat right, to do, do whatever. And so, so uh, learning to take care of myself was was the best part because I I was very healthy, you know, for a while and stuff like. And, and so, so I think of that more than anything as I'm talking to my daughter, for example, who is um, busy and taking, you know, 19 hours and working three jobs or whatever. Um, what I worry about is taking those few minutes for herself. And it, it's kind of the thing that, that gets back to me that, that I'm, I'm much happier, healthier if I'm spending my time, uh, some of that time as you suggested. Yeah. And I just, I love that question. And it's a great I, question. I encourage yeah, all of you to is. think yeah. about it because it is a reminder that we are wise and mm -hmm. it is a reminder that we have things to teach. Right. And I think there's something in Powering about recognizing you have things to teach. And I've learned so much from that question. Someone told me only hurt people hurt others. Mm -hmm. What an extraordinary insight about this world that only hurt people hurt others. Uh, there are more Rosalines in this world than Juliet's. You know, for those of you who skipped uh, English class, you know, Rosaline is the woman Romeo's in love with at the beginning of that play. He can't live without her until he meets Juliet. And their point when someone taught me that was most of the things you think you must have in this world that job, that person, that opportunity, it's probably a Rosaline, it's not a Juliet. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing that I loved about it is they went on to say, don't forget Romeo and Juliet both die at the end of that particular play. And the message that he took out of that was that love doesn't conquer all, but love has an extraordinarily good winning percentage. Love is LeBron James, so you should adjust your expectations for life accordingly. You have them on the team, you're probably going to win more than you lose, but you're not guaranteed a championship every time. And so I encourage all of you to think about that question, no matter how old you are, because some of the best ones I've ever gotten are people under the age of 25, because nobody under the age of 25 ever gets asked, why are you wise? Because we assume that if you don't have a certain amount of decades under your belt, or I, I don't know where my belt is anymore. It's located somewhere before <laughs> underneath a round thing. Uh, so that's my wisdom too. And I think that's such an important thing yeah. to ask because it constantly, when you take time to yourself, mm -hmm. like you said, I think you have time to think about what you want to give to others. Right. And that to me is leadership. And it's a type of leadership that everybody can do. And so I, I don't, I say that everyone is a leader when they choose to create moments of interpersonal impact. There are lots of people who believe that that is too broad a definition. I'm okay with that. If I get a few people to think, man, I am working on things, I'm doing things that are leadership, I never thought of it as such, that to me, that's a successful day. That's what I hope I did here. Uh, and to do it in the shadow of, of you know, the Golden Dome and the stadium, I mean, I don't know if anyone's felt that good doing something since Rudy. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> All right, good. Well, we're, Drew, we're thrilled you're here. Drew Dudley is our guest today. Drew's a famous uh, speaker, author, leadership teacher, uh, a lot of different things. Drew, you've whet the appetite, I think, for so many of our listeners today. I think we could go on and on. Help our listeners understand if they wanted to know more about Drew Dudley, what he's up to, some of his lessons, remind us of your book. Uh, just give us that kind of 
for people who want more, where do we send them? Sure. Uh, DrewDudley.com, and that's D-R-E-W-D-U-D-L-E-Y.com, has got everything. Uh, the book is called This Is Day One, A Practical Guide to Leadership That Matters. And uh, I almost just forgot the title of the book. <laughs> Did you folks see me there? Yeah, like, search yeah, for yeah. it in panic. Uh, this is day one, a practical guide to leadership that matters. It's available on uh, all fine uh, online bookstores and beyond. And DrewDudley.com is where you'll find all of it. Uh, you, If you go on YouTube and you search my name, uh, there's a number of TEDx talks that'll pop up as well. And, and I'll just say this to folks. The one that people have watched the most is called the lollipop moment. Mm-hmm. But if I could ask you folks out there, my favorite TED talk I ever gave is the one with the least amount of views. And it's called The Game Has No Winners. And I've never done this on a podcast before. It's straight up ask people, go watch the one called A Game Has No Winners because that is my favorite one that I ever gave. I, I really believe so strongly in the message there. And so I've never done that before. And I I love the opportunity that I, one of the questions on the leadership test, I talked about six is what have I tried today that might not work, but I tried it anyway. And believe it or not, that came about because the I'm I'm in recovery. I'm a recovering alcoholic. I'm coming up on 3000 days. And uh, the first meeting I ever went to, I wasn't going to go through the door. And the woman at the door just said, yeah, it's probably won't work for you. But why don't you just do it and say, eh, it probably won't work, but I'll try it anyway. And I've tried to live that every day since, and I try to share that with anyone I can. Awesome. The podcast being powered by Tech Tyler PC. Today's cyber threats are rapidly expanding. Let Tech Tyler PC provide the tools and training your business needs so you can spend more time with your family and friends enjoying life rather than worrying about and struggling with your tech problems from Office 365 email setup and management to complete IT, including 24-7 monitoring, management, antivirus backups, and encryption. Let Tech Tyler PC help. Call them today for a free consultation, 855 213 5016 or send them an email at sales at techtylerpc.com techtylerpc managing all of your IT needs. Drew, we've had a blast with you today. Thank you so much for your time here in South Bend. We're great. Yeah, we hope our paths bump into you again along the road, but we're thanks for sharing your wisdom with us. The feeling is 100% mutual. Thank you uh, to you and to the whole community for making me feel so welcome yeah. and honestly creating an experience I'm not going to forget anytime soon. Great. Thank you for listening to the Behind the Region podcast from the South Bend Regional Chamber, being powered by Tech Tyler PC, offering cost-effective IT solutions to fit any budget. For more information on the South Bend Regional Chamber or to become a chamber member, please visit our website at sbrchamber.com.